It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so, so impoverished, the Israelites, that they cried out to the Lord for help. But when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in, in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. And the angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak of Oprah that belonged to Joash the Bezite, where the son of Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, thou mighty warrior. He said, Amen to the reading of the word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you just as we have read your word. We pray, Lord, Father, as we hear what you have to say to us, we ask, Lord, that our hearts be open. We ask, Lord, that everything else will fade away and only you be the center. We thank you, O oh God, for giving us, Lord, clarity of thought as we share this word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. One thing that I like about uh, television these days is watching uh, a number of programs on HGTV. Does anybody here watch HGTV a little bit? HGTV has, has a number of programs on it that I like to watch. Uh, one, of the, one program particularly is called Good Bones. Uh, Good Bones is a, is, a, is a mother and daughter team. Mina, uh, who's the daughter, Karen's the mom. And what they do, they fix up homes, distressed properties, in Indianapolis, and they actually go around, and, and some of those distressed homes are owned by people where they really have a vision for something much better. How many of you have a vision for something much better than what you have now? I wish I was talking to somebody here. How many really have a vision for something better than you have now? And, and so you, they, they go and they, they talk to Mina, Mina and, uh, and, and Karen, and, and sometimes it actually fits, just fits up the home with no owner at all. But now, something that is very special about their work is that while they have a vision for how to fix up a distressed property, they know that it has to go through a number of issues that they have to attack. They have to deal with dry rot sometimes, things that are falling down, things that are just old. Sometimes it's very, very dirty, a dirty job. Do you know that sometimes when you want something more, it's going to be a little bit of dirty work to get there? Can I get a witness in the building? It's going to take a little bit of sometimes what I call elbow grease to get there. And so they have to learn, to learn that, you know, there's tearing down walls, there's demolition, and things that have to be torn out before the new thing can come in. Yes. There's some things that you have to learn about God, that God doesn't just put new stuff on old things. Sometimes he'll tear down the old thing in order to build up the new thing. When we look at this, 
particular passage of scripture. It might not be unfamiliar to you, but if it is, just want to give you a background because the context is so important. It takes place in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is the sequel to the book of Joshua. If you know anything about Joshua, Joshua was called by God to possess the land of Canaan. He was called by God to lead the children of Israel to possess the land that was promised to them from the time of Abraham. God had promised them a land that flowed with milk and honey. As Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, the first generation couldn't take the land because they had too much fear and they had too much doubt. Do you know that doubt and fear will cause you to forfeit what God has in mind for you? And so rather than going into the land, the Lord said, you know what, you, you've, been, you've been whining and complaining in the wilderness so long, I can't take you into the land because you're not going to be people who want to occupy. And so therefore they wandered around for 40 years until another generation was raised up in the wilderness. And Joshua was the one who had the capacity to lead this new generation into the land of Canaan. At 10 military campaigns, they're conquering the land. You'll find that there were some victories and there were also some defeats. And as they're conquering the land, they're taking territory. And as the tribes are taking territory and they're possessing their land, Joshua gets old. And as he gets old, he's, he's, he's trying to figure out who's the next generation that's going to continue to occupy because all of the land was not conquered yet. There were still some places that they had to take that they didn't take when Joshua was leading. And you know, people say, you know, why are you coming back to church? Because we got some more land to take. Everybody's not saved yet. You know that? Everybody's not healed yet. Everybody's not back yet. Everybody's not following the Lord. Everybody's not a disciple. So there's a reason why you have to continue to possess your land. But this generation that was raised up, Joshua, is now 110 years old. He's old, and the elders are old as well. Because as they're aging out, of course, they're dying. And now that they have died off, now there's no one really to lead. So now it comes to the point of the judges where they're in the land, and the land is not totally conquered. And unfortunately, the children of Israel do not consistently pursue the vision that God had called them to pursue. So we have here a situation where it stops decaying. The, they, they, their, their faith stops to decay. They're not, they're not going in the land in the land as conquerors. Now they're becoming compromisers. They're learning how to live with the unconquered territory. They're just satisfied with just their lives as it as it is. And here is Gideon who comes on the scene and, and, and he's a farmer. And he's he's coming into this, this, this stage where he's just farming and he's doing his work. But there's a pattern that takes place here. In, in, in the first uh, seven verses, you'll find that 
as they're doing their crops and planting and doing their agriculture and hoping that they could benefit from the fruit of each year's harvest, the enemy strikes them at appointed times around the time of harvest. And do you realize the enemy knows when to strike against you? Have you seen any patterns in your life? If you look, if you look at your life, have you seen any patterns in your life where the enemy has struck over and over again to steal away from you your harvest? Some people think, well, the things I go through are just happenstance. No, no, no. It is not happenstances. Could it be that just the time when you're ready to make a change and ready to, ready to kind of make a decision to go forward, there is an attack that comes? Did I get a witness in the building? The attacks come. I, I know that there's, there's times in my life where the attacks will come heavy, especially when you're ready for your harvest. An attack after attack after attack comes each and every year around the time of their harvest. Seven times. Can you say seven times? Seven times. Seven times. But before the eighth time, God says, all right, it's time to stop the cycle. It's time to turn the tide. It's time for a new beginning. It's time that we no longer put up with the stealing and the destruction and the impoverishment. And so the Lord steps in because they cry unto him. And you know the Lord many times will just sit back and let you just go through your cycle until you cry out to him. Yeah. Yeah. Do I got a witness in the building? Yeah. You know, you, you are actually you are actually in a place where you're going through the same thing over and over again. But you don't cry out to the Lord. You stop looking at other means for your help. And God is waiting for you to cry out unto him so that he can stop that cycle from beginning. If you want to break a cycle, it starts by calling on the Lord. Calling on the Lord. Calling on the Lord. Calling on his name. Calling on him. See, it happened in Israel uh, as they went Egypt the same way. They were going not just seven years, but 400 to 430 years. But when they cried to the Lord, the Lord responded. God is waiting for you to call on his name. He's waiting for you to pray to him. If you're in trouble today, God is waiting to hear your earnest cry. Because he wants to respond and break the cycle. And there's some cycles that I believe that God wants to break. He wants to break some cycles of your worry and cycles of your pain. He wants to break you, break the cycle from you going over and over again into the same thing of impoverishment. And impoverishment, it just doesn't mean material impoverishment, but you can be impoverished emotionally. Have you ever said, I just don't have another, I, I just can't take another thing? If another thing jump, jumps off, you will see a different person come out. Some of y'all, y'all, they already, y'all, they already say, if, I, if another thing happens, and you know why I know that's that people are emotionally impoverished because they're fighting about very insignificant things. They're upset about 
very small issues. You walked in front of me, now I'm going to get out and shout at you. You cut in line, and I'm going to let you know that you cut in line. No, no, no. There, there, is, there is a part of us, part of us, that we need to say, you know, this needs to stop. This needs to stop. And God answered their cries because they called on his name. But here's the problem with Israel. Why did they end up into the cycle in the first place? There was a pathology to this. The pathology was that when the elders and Joshua, who was the leader, and, the, and, they, and, they, and they got off, the next generation didn't continue to keep the same values that Joshua had for his God, for the vision. And so, number one, they became apathetic. There was a spirit of apathy. Apathy simply means they became very indifferent. I mean, hey, we're in the land. We, we, we're in the land. We, we're in the land, y'all. This was something our ancestors waited on, but we're in the land. In fact, we, we don't even need to bother with all of this warfare stuff. Because if you notice, they stopped working together as an army. There's nothing to fight about. There's no, there's no pain. Yeah, there's a little bit of territory to take, but let's not take this too seriously. I mean, we got most of it, don't we? They became apathetic. And you know the pandemic that we have almost come out of? There's a lot of apathy around. You know that there's a lot of apathy. In fact, I'm, 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 sorry, I'm sorry to tell you this, but there's a lot of saints that are very apathetic these days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, what? I mean, right. honey, what, what is there to pray about anymore? We can go out shopping now. <laughs> what is there? What is there to pray about? There's plenty of toilet paper. Right, yeah. <laughs> plenty of toilet paper. Plenty of paper towels. Don't worry about that. I mean, we need to be praying about what vacation spot we're going to go to. We don't need to be bothered putting up no, no, no precautions against anything. Let's just go for it. Apathy. And you know, you can become apathetic in your worship. Apathetic in your word. Well, you know, don't feel like it today. Have you ever had the, I don't feel like it? Yeah. I'll put up my hand. I don't feel like it? Yeah. Yeah. I said, Lord, I don't feel like preaching today. What am I going to do? I just stay home. <laughs> apathy. And apathy will talk you out of doing what you know you should do. The apathetic spirit. It will say, you know, I, I, I think I just need a, need a day off. You just started work. Tuesday, and you're ready to take off Friday. There are some people that they're paying that don't want to go back to work. They don't want to go back to the building. And they're finding ways to say, I don't want to come back. I get a doctor's note. Well, how come you didn't go to the doctor all these many years, but you're going to doctor now? But I don't want to go to work. <laughs> I ain't saying you. 
I say to other people. <laughs> so don't, don't write me now. Don't write me no letters. See, the thing about this, the apathetic spirit will get you. But then, it not only went to apathy, it went into apostasy. Meaning they said, all right, we, we don't need to do this anymore, but you know what? I don't think a whole lot of that stuff that they taught us about God is even necessary anymore. I mean, we're living in a new day. This is, you know, you got to get with the times. You got to get with the times, don't you? You know, in fact, we're not even living totally in a land that we're familiar with. This is, this is the Canaanite land. And the Canaanites, they do things a little different than we do. See, the Canaanites had a God that they worshipped called Baal. You heard of Baal. You heard of Baal. Baal. Baal is the God of fertility. Okay? Baal is the God that says, you know what? You don't need God to be successful. I'll make you successful. But rather than giving themselves to the true and living God, they had Baal. They was in Baal's backyard. Baal is the God that will say to you, you know what? If you give all yourself to me, I will make you a success. Yeah, that's Baal. That's Baal. Apostasy. Don't follow God. Follow Baal. Follow culture. Follow the new thing. Don't follow God. And your apostasy turned into anarchy. That's the third thing. Anarchy. See, when there's no God, you can become your own God. Right? If you, you, you can become the one who has the final say about everything. So the, the phrase of judges is this. People did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone was doing what was right for them. Is that similar to the days that we're living in? The day of relativism. What's real for me ain't real for you, baby. Well, that's the way you think. That's not the way I think. Who says there's absolute truth on anything? I think, you know what? I know what's best for me. You don't know what's best for me, and certainly God don't know what's best for me. They went into anarchy. And when you go into anarchy, it has its way of wreaking havoc and chaos in society. Because no one wants to follow any law or order. There's no order to anything. Because once you make a rule, somebody's going to say, well, let's break that rule. Or you set up a standard and someone's going to look for the loophole. So here we are. This is the times that they're living in. And so here's what God does. God said, you know, through a prophet. So here's number one. Let me just give you another one. Okay? The first thing I want to say to you is that God will allow Things to happen in your life that are very difficult, frustrating, 
Things that you may say, well, this is not fair. I put in all this work and I'm not getting out to get your attention. To get your attention. If you're going through something right now, you might be frustrated, but God was sending some things in your life to get your attention. To get your attention. Sometimes it does take something very jolting to get our attention. Doesn't it? We, we, we're creatures of habit. I know I am. I'm a creature of habit. And so unless there's something that happens that says, wait a minute. The tendency is just keep on plowing through like nothing's ever going on. But God has a different way of getting the attention of his people. And he will use pain in your life to get your attention. Yeah. He will use pain in your life. He will cause a relationship to crumble that you had so much hope in just to get the, your attention. So he says, Lo, the reason why you lost your harvest for seven years in a row is because you were doing some things that were not pleasing to me as my people, and I had to get your attention. Some of the losses in your life is God getting your attention. So look at this. God now has their attention because they cry out to him. And so he doesn't send a deliverer yet. <laughs> Have you ever had so much struggle in your life where you say, God, get rid of this pain out of my life. God, I want you to deliver me. And God is not sending a deliverance right now. He's sending something else. It's called a word. <laughs> He said a prophet. A prophet is the one that gave a word. A word. A word comes. A word. Can somebody say a word comes? A word comes. A word. Have you ever wanted deliverance? And God said, I'm going to send a word. He said, that's not what I want. I want deliverance. Someone said a word. And my word is this. That you, meaning Israel, I have been trying to talk to you for a long time, but you didn't listen. I was the one that brought you out. I was the one that delivered you. I was the one that healed you. I was the one that helped you. And you did not listen to me. And I told you to stay away from the God of the Canaanites. But you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't listen. Um, so the point two is, when God is speaking, you have to, tr that trust is connected to who and what you're listening to. Trust is connected to who and what you listen to. You know, when we listen to people and we're listening to them over and over and we're taking their advice, it's an indication that we trust them to some degree. Mm -hmm. God is saying, if you, if you trust me, why don't you just listen to me? Why don't you just listen to me? See, the way that advertisers build ongoing um, customers and loyalty with their customers, they want to make sure that they get into your ear and get before your eyes to build confidence enough where you trust them. Because they know they can't build any relationship long term or get your money without trust. 
So, God is saying to them, if you trust me, you'll listen to me. You'll listen to me. I'll admit that I haven't always listened to God. Oh, you don't want to admit that either? Can I, can, I get, can I get some honesty here? Can I get some honesty at home? How, how many of you know that we all have our ways of not listening to what God's telling us? Even though we want deliverance and we're crying out to God, I said, no, before I deliver, I'm going to send you a word that you need to listen to. I got your attention now. Now listen, the word listen, the word listen is the word Shema. The word Shema. That's a very, very important word to understand. The word Shema is a Hebrew word that goes all the way back to even a prayer in Deuteronomy which the Jewish people taught their children. Hear, O Israel. It's amazing. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, your mind and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the prayer of the Shema. That prayer was taught to the children. That prayer was said in the presence of families. Hear. Hear. O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Shema prayer was spoken in every Jewish traditional uh, space because they wanted their children to know not to turn their ears and turn their hearts away from listening to God. People say, what, what's wrong with our generation? And I put myself in this generation. I'm trying, I'm trying to say, okay, it's, it's somebody who's just simply young. I'm in this generation. What's wrong with our generation? We stop listening to God. And because we stop listening to God, we have no way of trusting God. So when something happens, I, I run to my friend. I run to Facebook. I run to Google. Google's going to tell me what to do. You can find a lot of things on Google, but Google ain't going to tell you what the purpose of your life is. <laughs> you need God to do that. There is a place where God is speaking, and he wants to talk to you before he delivers you. The third point is this. When the prophet spoke, the prophet said some very specific things. The prophet didn't say, well, you know, you were so disobedient, that's why God is, is beating you up. That's not what he said. The prophet said very simply that trust that God is for you. Trust that God is for you. Do you know we cease to believe that God is for us. I mean, after they have drifted away from God, was disobedient, apathetic, went into anarchy, God said, I'm still for you. I'm still for you. I'm still for you. He said, I rescued you. The prophet said, I rescued you from, from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hands of your oppressors. I drove them out from before you, and I gave you their land. 
I gave you something that you couldn't even get on your own. You know, there's something that we need to understand about God. He gives us things that we could never get on our own. Can I get a witness in the house? See, the reason why you need to praise God, because you have to understand where he has brought you from. Never forget where he brought you from. Do you know that when God didn't bring you from where you are to where you, where you were to where you are now, God, God help us, we probably wouldn't have, have never lived this long. Some of us would have been dead and gone. Some of us would have been on the road. Some of us would have been somewhere else. But God delivered us because he's for us. He's for us. And you know, if you have nothing to praise God for this morning, you should just pray it from from. The fact that where he brought you from. Where did he bring you from? Can you think a moment where God brought you from? And what God has given to you that you couldn't get on your own? I know you're smart. See, we live in a very smart, smart, smart society. And we're living in a very smart community. And we're in the Northeast. And we're, we're in a place where education is the utopia. But guess what? You ain't smart enough to get all that you got. No, you're not. Some jobs that you got, you weren't smart enough to get that job. You know you weren't smart enough to get that job. You ain't smart enough not to be in the job. <laughs> you know you hear what I'm saying. People talk about you behind your back, but you're there because God puts you there. You ain't smart enough to make a salary you're making. Who do you think you are? You, you, ain't, you, you ain't smart enough to do that. God puts you there. God put you in front of the right people. He made the way where there was no way. He gave you drink when you didn't have anything to drink. He presided for you. He protected you. And you know what? You need to give him the praise. The song of your praise on the Give him the praise for where he brought you from. There's things in that has happened in your life that God has blessed you, and it doesn't even make any sense to people. He gave you a spouse when people said, ain't nobody going to love you. He gave you, he gave you children when the doctor said, guess what? It's over. You can't have no children. But God provided a way for you. You got to trust that God is for you. Believe that he's for you. Point number four and five. You got to trust that God is with you. You got to trust that God is with you. There's a difference between God being for you and God being with you. The angel of the Lord. Now, the Lord is not only using, this is interesting, the Lord is not only using prophets, he's using angels now. He's giving out messages through angels. I haven't preached on angels yet, maybe I should. Do you believe that you have angels? That brought you over the Bible says that angels are ministering spirits yeah. to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Each one of us has angels. Yeah. You have angels. The angel came and sat down under an oak in Oprah. And at that place, he sees Gideon. Gideon. Gideon, who's a farmer. And he says to Gideon, who he's calling into a new place of leadership, and he says, the Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. Mm -hmm. 
That's the, that's the King James Version. This version says, mighty warrior. Say, God wants to raise you up as a mighty warrior because there's some more land to conquer. There's some more places that you have to go. You're now going to face other enemies and additional enemies along the way. And so you cannot be, still become a coward. You must become a conqueror. See, what, what's, what's Gideon doing? And, I, and I'll pick this up next week. Gideon is actually in a place where he's threshing wheat in a wine press, trying to hide. And some of you are trying to hide. You're trying to hide. Oh, no, don't pick me. No, don't pick me. Have you had a teacher who wanted you to read out loud? Because I couldn't read very well when I was a kid. I could not read, but reading was not my strong point. In fact, a lot of things were not my strong point. <laughs> but, I, but I was school by prayer, praise the Lord. <laughs> did better in college than I ever did anywhere else. That's because I was paying for it. <laughs> but, you know, if you've ever been afraid or fearful of something, and someone says, you know, I'm looking for a volunteer. I'm looking for somebody to really lead. I'm looking for somebody that can really take this project or take this, this, this area, this department, this, this space, and really bring it into another place. There's a lot of things that we've been battling against, but I, I really need someone who's going to stay in there and, and just fight through it. And um, after you hear the long list of enemies, you're going to say, don't pick me. And God is saying, it's you. It's you. God is going like this on your heart. Why is my heart racing? Because God is saying, it's you. Gideon is trying to hide his harvest in a place where it doesn't belong. He's afraid that the enemy is going to steal it again, so he tries to hide. But there's no hiding place. It's interesting. He's trying to hide what is valuable. And it's also a paradox where he is valuable to God and he's trying to hide. Mm. I see that you're sitting next to people right now, and maybe you're at home sitting there, so tell them you can't hide. You can't hide. You can't hide. You can't hide. God sent an angel right where he was with a word. Not deliverance, with a word. And he says, you know, I know that you are afraid of losing. Anybody ever afraid of losing? I hate losing. I know you're afraid of losing. But you can't let your fear keep you in hiding. And so today, what God is saying, all the other else are free. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, all right, everybody can come out now. <laughs> and 
Everybody can come out now. There's your home watching. Everybody can come out now. No need to hide. And no need to hide because God wants to use you and me in some ways to bring deliverance to people that will never get it unless you come out. Because we, you know, we, we do good at prayers. And I do it too, and I'm guilty of that. Lord, send somebody. Lord, I'm praying, send somebody. And that's a good prayer. But God's saying to Gideon, Gideon, uh, knock, knock, knock. It's you. You are the one that's going to break the cycle. Why do I say that? Because Gideon's name is the word for God. It means to that means to cut He's the one that's going to be used to break a cycle of impoverishment over God's people that has been there for years. Could it be that God is calling not only to break your cycle, but he's calling you to break some cycles? Cycles of impoverishment spiritually. Cycles of impoverishment when it comes to families going through cycles and generations of problems that they can never get free from. Could it be that God is calling you as the cover? Because the Lord is with you. And I want to pray. I'm finished. I want to pray for someone here. I don't know who this message is for. Maybe it's just for one or two. I don't know. Maybe someone at home. Listen, God is calling you out. He's calling you out to trust him. Trust him that he's for you. Trust him that he's with you because he's calling you to a place as a cutter to stop cycles. To stop the stuff that's been going on for years. To challenge the apathy in the lives of people. To live for God in a way where he can bring deliverance to captives. I'm going to ask you to stand. Those of you here, you stand. I haven't done this in a long time, but we can do it now because we're free. We're free. We're free. I want to pray for those who have said, Lord, right up here. It may, maybe, may, maybe you've been hiding in some way, shape, or form. Hiding from oh no, I don't want to, I don't know, not me. Don't give me, Lord. I know that very well. But God is saying, if the cycle's going to stop, it begins with you coming out of hiding and trusting. Trusting. Now, I want to pray with you. I just want you to come up here. You don't have to come too close to me if you're, if you're very concerned about that, but you can come just stand right here. You can stand right here. I know you're here. God has told me that you're here. It's the word for you. And those of you at home, you just, you make that place where you are your altar. This is, this is what we call an altar call. An altar call is where we bring ourselves to God. You're not coming because I'm doing something for you. God is saying to you, 
I'm calling you to a new place to start new cycles because I'm for you and I'm with you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Would you, lift, would you lift your hands to the Lord? Just lift your hands. You, you can come off coming for I think we can still get the shot. Is that okay? Am I good? You can come just kind of fill in here a little bit. It's good to see you all. You say, if I, got, if I knew you were going to give that word, I would have watched on live. <laughs> oh, God, you thank you. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord? Father, Father, thank you Lord, for these, these precious people. These are your servants. These are your sons, your daughters. These are your people, Lord, who you want to use in this generation. Lord, we live such a generation where there's so much apathy. Lord, people just throw off all kinds of values and restraints. And we live in a time where we seem like we're in Satan's backyard. But God, you're still calling. You're still searching for someone. You're still calling your church to be salt and light. So I pray for, 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 for we who are here. And I put myself here because, God, there, there's some places, Lord, I've been hiding. I've been hiding from you. And I want to break that cycle today. Thank you, Lord, for releasing us, releasing us from our fears, our inhibitions, our failures. And Lord, we can think of so many ways we even messed up. But Father, today, thank you that we can ask you for forgiveness and that you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all the righteousness. Thank you for using ordinary people. Just like us. Yeah. So, Lord, I just praise you and honor you yeah. for open hearts, yeah. open hands, and even open minds yeah. to be directed by you. I pray, Lord, for those who are at home, God. I pray that as they're watching, that you invade that space, Lord. They may be hiding in all different facets, whether it's in their, in their business and just kind of just, Lord, I just want to work in this corner, in this cubicle, in this area, and I just don't really want anybody to know that I'm going to be the one to cut some things down that will cause some fresh things to happen. I don't want anybody to know that, but God, trouble them, trouble them. I pray that you trouble them. Come right where they are. They might be doing a thing to hide, but Father, you know where they are. You know where they are. And I pray, Father, that you're drawn in the name of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Frustrate them until they say yes to you. Frustrate them until they say yes to you. Because you made them special to do a specific thing for your glory and purpose. And I trust you, Lord. We trust you today. Thank you as we stand at this altar. We continue to trust you where we are because you're a good God. I thank you, I praise you, I magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen.